Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Prepare to be blessed as pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau leads us into the anointed study of the Word of God, teaching and empowering you how to impact your world with the gospel of Jesus Christ, teaching you how to receive the blessings and provisions of God and how to walk through this life with freedom through faith. And now, here's Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Hallelujah. Hello, everyone, everywhere. This is Pastor Robert Thibodeau. Welcome to Freedom Through Faith. Glory to God. We're so glad that you can join us today. We are blessed to be bringing you the Word of God throughout the world. This Word goes forth throughout the world. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus, the Word of the Lord goes forth and does not return to Him void. His word accomplishes what you please. His word prospers where you send it in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Father, in Jesus' name, we thank you for the opportunity to preach your word to the world. Lord, may your word go forth. As we said, throughout this earth, there is somebody listening right now that is being blessed by the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray that each person touched by your word, if they are not your children right now, they will be right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you and praise you that your word touched our hearts oh, so many years ago. And Lord, that you are the one who's in charge of this ministry. That you, Lord, your desire is for your people to be born again and become children of the Most High God. Father, show yourself strong through this broadcast. May we receive words of miracles being accomplished this day. Broken limbs healed. Cancer destroyed and cast out of people's bodies. Healings taking place all across this planet because of your word this day. And to you we give honor, glory, and praise. Have your way, Holy Spirit, with this broadcast. You're already doing it, I can tell. In the name of Jesus, amen and amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit. Praise you, Jesus. I feel like casting away my notes and just going for the Holy Spirit this morning. Praise God. But because of time, I have to stay on track. Praise God. You know, if you're just ministering in, in uh, you know, a normal setting, you're not constrained by time. You go 10 minutes over or whatever. It doesn't matter. But when you're tied to this computer, and if I preach, you know, 10 minutes extra, it doesn't matter. The, the radio station servers cut you off and go to the next program. Amen. This is a live broadcast. So I'm constrained by how much time we got left, which means I need to go ahead and get started. Praise God. Join me. In our profession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed, I do this at the beginning of every program. 
as we lay the solid foundation upon which we build this day. Just repeat after me. Our Father, who art in heaven. That's a, I was getting ready to pray the Lord's Prayer, but that's okay. We'll do that too. The Holy Spirit is leading that way. Holy is your name. Father, may your kingdom come and your will be done in this earth, just as your will is accomplished in heaven. Father, thank you. Thank you for supernatural provision in our lives. No need left undone. Father, thank you for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the focus, the forgiveness of our sins through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Jesus, thank you for being our Lord and Savior. Jesus, because I have been forgiven I ask that if I have aught against any in my heart, that you reveal it to me so I can make the decision to forgive those who sin against me. And Lord, I thank you. I am not ever led away in temptation. I am delivered at all times from all evil because you live inside of me. Praise God. Father, I pray that all that is accomplished is for your honor, glory, and praise. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. That was free, folks. That was no charge. Amen. And now let's go to our profession of faith, commonly referred to as the Apostles' Creed, as we lay the solid foundation upon which this message today has been built. Praise God. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead, praise God, ascended into heaven, and sits now at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty, from where he's coming soon to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe the church is the body of Christ. I believe in the communion of saints. I believe in the forgiveness of sins. I believe in the resurrection of the body. And I believe in life everlasting. In the name of Jesus, amen. Praise God. I can tell the Holy Spirit is moving already in today's broadcast. He's already moved several times just in the opening. Praise God. I can hardly wait to see what he's going to do with the message today. Glory. Hallelujah. Praise God. If you have your Bibles, turn to 1 Kings chapter 17. Praise the Lord. We started last week. Basically, with an introduction to Elijah. Now, if you remember his name, Elijah, Elijah, Elijah in Hebrew, literally means Yahweh is my Lord or my God. The prophet's name very clearly defined his mission to demonstrate or prove that Yahweh is, in fact, not only his God, but the one and only true God. Amen. Now, 1 Kings chapter 1 Kings chapter 17 
Last time we began in verse 1, we're going to begin today in verse 2. Praise the Lord. You know, I don't see anything wrong with starting in verse 1. We'll just go ahead and start in verse 1, the Holy Spirit says. Elijah, the Tishbite, who was of the inhabitants of Gilead, approached the king himself, even though the threat of death was hanging over him because Ahab and Jezebel were killing all of the prophets of the Lord, Jehovah. He said, As the Lord God of Israel lives, before whom I stand, there will not be dew nor rain these years, but according to my word. Now, verse 2. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah, saying, and I love this. Instead of patting him on the back and saying, Elijah, what a good job you did. Thank you for telling the king exactly what I said. You're just blessed beyond measure right now. Instead of saying that, God came to Elijah and said, run, boy, run. Read it. The word of the Lord came to him saying, get thee hence. That's get out of here. Run and turn eastward and hide yourself by the brook Cherith that's before the Jordan. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded the ravens to feed you there. Now, last time I introduced to you the concept of a place called there. Do you remember? I told you that as we closed last time that I would go further into detail on a place called there as we take it up today. And, and that's what we will be focusing on the rest of this broadcast today. Brother Barb, are we going to study Elijah or the Bible or something? Yeah! But in order for you to fully understand what Elijah is all about, I mean, it's important for you to grasp and comprehend exactly what Elijah was doing, what God was telling him to do, and why. You know, to not understand what I'm teaching on today, a place called there, we could actually have the title is Your Place Called There, and you'll find out why in a minute. You missed the entire story of Elijah. The underlying meaning. I mean, read this again, beginning in verse 2 this time. The word of the Lord came to him saying, now let me stop there for a second. Like I said, we covered this last time, but I want to reemphasize it here. Who is the word of the Lord? Who is the word of God? Jesus, right? So we could say, you could literally read this and say, Jesus came to Elijah. And said to him, get out of here, boy. Turn eastward. Hide yourself by the brook Cherith. Hurry, get out of town. And it shall be that you shall drink from the brook. And I have commanded. The Lord had already commanded and set into action that the ravens will feed you. What's the word? There. Notice the Lord has already made the provision available. 
it has or he has already commanded the birds to bring Elijah provision. He's already commanded the brook to flow through that place. It is already in action. It is already happening. God made the supernatural provision for Elijah. Why? Because Elijah did exactly what God told him to do by faith without trying to think it through. He didn't contemplate, you know, if I go up to the king and say this, there's a pretty good chance I'm going to get killed, have my head lopped off. At a minimum, they're going to come and ransack my home, arrest me, and put me in jail. You know, this might not be a good thing. God, let's rethink this. No, Elijah didn't do that. God said, go talk to the king and tell him this. And Elijah said, okay. That's what we need to do by faith. Just do what God tells us to do without thinking it through sometimes. Amen. And because he did that, now the Lord has a responsibility to take care of Elijah. As you can imagine, Elijah is now in deep trouble with the king. We covered last time that when Elijah said this and turned around and walked away, you know, Ahab probably turned to his aides and said, who was that guy? And they probably laughed it off. Oh, that senile old guy, you know. He spent too much time out in the desert sun. But then it didn't rain that week. And it didn't rain the next week. And it didn't rain the next week. And now the crops are starting to, you know, wither. And it didn't rain the next week. And after a month or so, you know, Ahab is like, maybe this guy really did curse us. Let's find him. Because he said it wasn't going to rain until he said it could rain. Let's find him and... We have ways of making him talk to make it rain. I'm sure that's what their thoughts were. But God was taking care of his prophet. Amen? I mean, he is in deep trouble with his king, or with the king, and especially with the king's wife, Jezebel. I mean, once the drought came to pass, he would have remembered what Elijah said. He probably told Jezebel, and she said, go find him. Find him. Bring him back here. We will make him talk. And they start looking for Elijah. They search throughout the entire kingdom. Everybody says, no, we haven't seen him. We haven't seen him at all. They start searching the neighboring territories, you know, asking their kings and their governors, have you seen Elijah? If Elijah's in your province, you bring him to me. And they're getting sworn statements from them. No, no, we searched. He's not here either. They don't know where he is. And prior to all this happening, the Lord had supernaturally began providing for Elijah's protection and provision. Notice where the Lord sends this provision. I have already commanded the ravens to feed you. There. God made provision for Elijah, but he, it was not sent directly to Elijah. 
the provision was sent to a place God wanted him to go. A place called there. And it is in that place that Elijah had to go to receive the provision God had already put in place. Whenever God tells you to do something, he makes full provision available for you. He does not expect you to go to the store and spend your own money trying to do what it is he's telling you to do. Now, let me paraphrase that by saying that if he tells you to do that, to take your own money and buy this subject or thing at the store, then that's what you need to do. Now, I've seen people, and shamefully I must confess, that I have also stepped out of the will of God sometimes in this area also. I've, you know, stepped out and done things on my own and did not wait for the provision that God was making available arrive. And when you try and get ahead of God, well, you are ahead of God. You're not with God. Amen. But sometimes people have also stepped out on a word from God and they did not see what God intended work out. Instead of seeing the provision, they suffered problems instead, as well as me. I've done that too. And it makes you wonder, if you're honest and bold enough to admit it, what happened? Was God faithful or unfaithful? And if you stop and analyze what you heard and what they heard and then how it was implemented, usually there's something that we failed to do, which stopped them from being in their place called there, the place God had sent the provision. You know, there are times and instances where God will have you pack up and move across the country even though you don't want to. When I was in Texas, I loved Texas. I still love Texas. And God was telling us, I need you to pack up and go to Maryland. Well, that meant starting all over. I did not want to do I didn't. I do not like the East Coast of the United States. I don't like anything about it. But yet, God had made it clear, this is where you are going to go. And I said, no, I'm not. I will serve you here. And slowly, things began to happen in my life and in our finances that continued to put a squeeze on us until ultimately I had to say, okay, I'll go, but I'm only staying a couple years till I come back. But God got us to where he wanted us. We came to Maryland. And from the moment we arrived in Maryland, we could see God's provision, making blessing and making way for us here. Things began to happen almost supernaturally. Doors opening for us that had remained shut 
you know, the feeling that your prayers weren't getting any higher than the ceiling. The, the heavens had been made brass where your prayers were. Suddenly our prayers were being answered again. And we knew, and I still know, this is where God wants us. And it has been, at the time of this recording, 17 years, and we're still here. Glory to God. Do I love Maryland? Do I love the east coast of the United States? No. If I had my way, I'd pack up tomorrow and be gone. to Florida, or Texas, or Colorado, or Arizona, somewhere where it's warm. Glory to God. Or beautiful. But. God has not given us that release. And he said, your provision is here. And I want to stay in the provision of God. Amen. Our family is now here. My grandchildren, this is the only home they've really known. We're here. We have roots here. Our ministry is here. I have ministry friends here. We have more friends here now than we do elsewhere because we've been here so long. This is where God said, I will bless you there. And he has, and he continues to do so. And Elijah's running into the same situation. He does not want to pull up roots. When God said, run boy, go to the book Brook Carith, and I, will, I have already commanded the birds to take care of you, your provision will be there. Elijah said, I don't want to go. My family is here. I got a house here. I have friends here. I can minister for you just as well here as I can there. Matter of fact, if I go out there, I can't minister for you at all. But instead of reasoning it out like that, which means where is the provision? The provision is still there, by the brook Corinth. Instead of reasoning it out like that, and Elijah said, if you want to bless me, God, bless me here. God said, no, your blessing is there. If you stay here, you are missing your provision. You are missing your blessing. Amen. You are not going to be able to do it. Praise the Lord. But... Elijah didn't do that, did he? You see, when God tells you to do something, he provides for us every single time we do what he tells us to do. He loves his children. He loves us. He has made abundant provision for for everything we need. But that provision is not sent to where we are. It is sent to where God wants us to go. It is sent to where we are supposed to be in order to serve God, for God to give us protection, to preserve us, to provide for us. Therefore, if we are not obedient and we do not follow through on what God has told us to do, we can mess up the entire supply train for our lives. Take, for example, a quarterback in football. He throws a pass to his receiver. 
Every, you know, is, is was once asked of a coach. I can't remember. I want to say Bear Bryant, but I can't be sure on that. They said, you know, when you were down at the two-yard line, your own two-yard line, you were 98 yards away, at which time did you design a play to score a touchdown? And his response was, every play including defensive plays, we design to go all the way to the end zone. Now think about that. It could be, you know, from down at your own two-yard line looking 98 yards upfield, you don't have any operating room down in that end. You would think that, you know, we'll just hand it off to the linebacker and let him run straight up into the group and try and get three, four, five yards. But you see, that play is actually designed that if the blockers do their job properly, that guy is going to run all the way 98 yards for a touchdown, glory to God. It's not designed just to get three or four yards. That may be the outcome, but it's designed to go all the way for the touchdown. Hallelujah. And that's the way we need to be as well. For we know that's the way God is. He's designing us to score a touchdown for him, praise God. Now, the quarterback, when he throws the ball to the receiver, he is throwing it to where the receiver is supposed to be. He's leading him. But if that quarterback isn't where, I mean, the, if that receiver is not where he's supposed to be. He's you know, going to miss the ball. It's just going to fall on the ground or worse yet, be intercepted. You know, I've seen receivers break right and the quarterback's throwing the ball left. But just as he throws the ball, the receiver breaks back to the left again, fooling the defender, and ends up right where the ball is at that exact moment he hits that spot. Just as he gets to that exact spot, the ball is right there. The quarterback did not throw the ball where he was. He threw it where he was supposed to be. Amen. But if that receiver gets it in his head, you know, I mean, they, they call a play in the huddle, and every person on the field, you know, for that team knows what their job is when that play is called. From the center hiking the ball to the blockers knowing which way to turn to the defender to keep them away from the ball carrier to the receivers knowing which way to cut and jive uh, so the quarterback knows where they're going to be as he throws the ball. It's all a well-oiled machine and it, it looks so easy to pull off, but it takes practice, 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 and more practice. And if one person does not do what he's supposed to do, then the entire team looks like they're confused. If the center hikes the ball and sends the ball over the head of the quarterback, or if the defender, you know, the blockers decide they want to run down the field and receive and let the defenders run unabated to the quarterback and sack him, or if the receivers run the wrong routes, it looks completely foolish instead of spectacular. Well, it's the same way with us. God, you know, we're one piece of the puzzle. 
God has his plan to get his word throughout the world. And he tells this preacher over here, I need you to go here and preach this. And he tells this pastor on this Sunday, I need you to preach this. And he tells an evangelist over here, I need you to preach this. And all three working together are orchestrating the entire thing God wants done at that particular time. It's like a symphony. You know, you have the guy with the cymbals that, you know, if he decides he wants to, you know, beat these cymbals together whenever, he's on his, you know, he's listening to iPod, you know, has earbuds in, and he's listening to rock and roll music, and he's just going to town with the cymbals but he's not playing according to the music sheet that everybody else is on. Not only does he look foolish, but it throws off the entire orchestra. But a good conductor, he can have the violins, and he can have the bass drum, and he can have the cymbals, and he can have the clarinets, and if you've ever sat in an audience and listened to them as they warm up prior to the performance, it sounds absolutely terrible. I mean, a, a third grade music band sounds better than they do when they're warming up. Why is that? Because each group is warming up according to their particular instrument, how they prepare for it, how they tune it. But then all of a sudden you hear the click, click, click. That's the conductor tapping his little rod on the stand, letting everybody know, okay, look at me now. And when he begins to orchestrate the violins, the clarinets, the bass drum, the cymbals, the, the horns and saxophones, that it sounds absolutely marvelous. Amen. That's what God is trying to do with these pastors in the earth today. He says, over here, I want you just to preach on this today. Over on this side, I need you to preach on this today. Out here in the field, I need you to do this today. And when it's all done in orchestra, the devil doesn't stand a chance. Amen. And how important is it for us to be on God's sheet of music, going along according to God's plan. Well, let me just re-emphasize. You've heard me tell this story before. I'm going to do it again anyway. Way back in the early, late 1890s, early 1900s, somewhere in that time frame, when horse and buggies and wagons were still the mode of transportation, trains were just getting their foothold, especially out towards the west. An evangelist with a horse and wagon traveling throughout the Midwest came upon a town, set up his tent, put out his sign, you know, revival here. And he stayed in that town for seven days, preaching his heart out, giving an invitation every night. 
nobody coming forward. He had a good crowd there, you know, maybe 50 to 100 people every night. But every night he would give the invitation and nobody came forward. And on the last night of the revival, he preached his heart out all that he had in it, gave the invitation, and nobody came forward except this one little boy, about seven years old. And that little boy gave his heart to the Lord that night, little Billy. In the natural, it looked like the entire week had been wasted. This guy had heard from God, obeyed God, went to that town, preached his heart out, witnessed for him during the day, preaching that night. Nobody got saved that entire week but one little seven-year-old boy named Billy Sunday. And I know you heard of him. How many millions of people are now in the kingdom of God because of the preaching of Billy Sunday. And that one lone, no-name evangelist is getting as much credit for every soul touched by Billy Sunday as if he was preaching it himself. In the natural, it looked like the absolute stupidest waste of time God, I could have gone over to this town that was bigger and had better results. But if he'd have done that, Billy Sunday would not have been born again at that point in time. Oh, I'm sure later on in life he would have been. But he got born again then and it began his change and his transformation. And beginning, God began to shape him right then from age seven. And Billy Sunday has impacted the world. And it was because one no-name evangelist obeyed God. That's how God orchestrates all these things together. And when we do what God says to do, we are one giant symphony orchestra lifting up praises to God. But if you get someone who decides they want to go out on their own, I'm not following the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. I know what I want to do for God. It's just like that guy with the cymbals beating his own, you know, going to his own tune. It just throws off the whole symphony. Everyone looking at it can focus on the one guy who's not doing what he's supposed to do. You could have a 1,000-piece orchestra and you get one guy playing his own music instead of doing what everybody else is supposed to be doing and following the conductor. Every person in that auditorium, you could have a 50,000-seat arena. All 50,000 people will be looking at the one guy who's not doing what he's supposed to do. And think the entire orchestra is dumb. And think the conductor doesn't know what he's doing. All because one guy wants to do his own thing. Now, put that in relation to the ministry, every ministry, all across America, all across the world. 
You need to be in symphony with God as your conductor. Amen. Everything I'm giving you right now is not included in my notes for today. That means I'm being led by the Holy Spirit of the Most High God. And this message is going on and touching somebody's ears and heart that needs to hear it today. Praise God. Hallelujah. Let me see if I can find my place in the notes. All right, let's go back. That there is a place called there for every one of us. You cannot necessarily see it from where you're at right now. You just have to obey and step out in faith on what God has told you to do. The provision is not where you are now. It is there. It is found while you are doing what God has told you to do. Many people will say they're waiting for their provision before they step out. But God says, I have already commanded the birds to feed you there. I have already made your provision there. Let's look for a minute where the brook of Corinth is. It's not on any map today, but it must have been at least two or three miles long because it was feeding into the Jordan River. So how did Elijah know where to go? Well, he just continued walking along the brook until he found a place where bread and flesh or bread and meat had already been placed. Remember, God had already commanded the ravens even before he spoke to the prophet. So Elijah, you know, I mean, birds do not have the same, shall I say, inquisitiveness that people have. The birds would not have argued with God like people do and say things like, he's right here, God. Why do we got to carry the bread away over there? No, they would just do and obey. And they could certainly fly there faster than Elijah could walk there. So I believe he just kept walking until he seen and found the place where the birds were bringing the food. And then he knew, I'm here. I'm at that place called there. The Bible doesn't say, but I believe it was probably a little like oasis, well hidden probably with a little cave to keep Elijah cool in the heat of the day and a place to build a little fire where the fire wouldn't be seen at night. Amen. Keep him warm during those cool nights. But the brook of water was right there also. And the birds kept bringing the food every morning and every night right there. So Elijah stayed right there. Amen. Now, what would have happened if Elijah would not have obeyed God's provision for him? It would not have obeyed God. He said, no, I'm not moving. I'm staying right here in this house. God, you gave me this house 10 years ago, and I'm staying right here. I'm not arguing with you anymore about this, God. You do what I say. Bring your provision here. That would have been arrogant, wouldn't it? God's provision for him would still have been at the brook Corinth in that place called there. 
but it would have become food for the animals or just rotted right there. And all the while, Elijah would have been starving to death back here. Going through and suffering through the drought with everyone else back here. Or have been captured and tortured by the king and his henchmen back here. There is a place for obedience. Obedience does not change God's heart towards you. He still loves you even if you're here and not there. But if you're not in obedience, you certainly make it hard on yourself and your family here instead of obeying God and going there. I know. Amen. God has put a call on your life, folks. As I've said many times over, every person is called into some form and fashion of ministry. You may not be called into the fivefold ministry, but you are called into some form of ministry. It could be ministry of helps. It could be the ministry of intercession or the ministry of finance. Financing the word of God as ministries and preachers take the word to the world through internet radio, traditional radio, television, or evangelism meetings, supporting missionaries, whatever. But if you are called into an area of ministry, your provision is already in place for that ministry. But if you are in disobedience instead of obedience, you are suffering and you are going through some things God never intended for you to go through. But Brother Bob, I'm afraid you know God's going to tell me to go to Timbuktu, but I don't want to go. Well, then you are in disobedience and your provision for your life is over there in Timbuktu. Have you ever been to Timbuktu? Well, no. Well, how do you know you won't like it over there? We're not supposed to go into these areas and become like the people who live there. God may tell you to go into the ghettos of Calcutta, India. That doesn't mean you go there and live like you belong in the ghetto of Calcutta, India. You're supposed to go and invade these territories so that everybody there wants to be like you because you are doing what God said. Praise the Lord. Shout amen, somebody. Don't shout me down while I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Here's another example. The Lord asked Abraham, to sacrifice Isaac. That did not make any sense at all to Abraham. It looked like he was going to kill and burn the promised child through which the Lord had told him he was going to become the father of many nations. But that command was to go to a place called there and sacrifice Isaac. That was Abraham's there. It was what God had told him to do. Now, he could have said no. Abraham could have said, No, God, I refuse to kill my son. 
my one and only son that you promised me. No, I'm not going to do it. Because his provision was there. If he would have said no, and what if he would have, knows the Bible doesn't say that he went and discussed this situation with Sarah. <laughs> I have a feeling that uh, if God would have, if Abraham would have shared this, you know, God wants me to take Isaac over to this mountain three days away and sacrifice him to Jehovah on that mountaintop. I have a feeling Abraham probably would have died right there because Sarah was not going to let him take her baby. Now, it doesn't say how old Isaac was, but some scholars, you know, it, it's not like the little Sunday school picture, you know, where it shows them about a seven-year-old boy being laid up there. I don't think that's right. I have a feeling that Isaac was approximately, probably, if not 17 to 20, somewhere in that age bracket anyway, he was old enough to understand what was going on because he stopped Abraham and said, "Where you know, I see the wood, you know, I see the fire we're carrying, but I don't see a sacrifice. Remember that? He understood there had to be a sacrifice here somewhere. Where is it? Abraham told him, God will provide his own sacrifice, prophesying about Jesus. But Isaac knew something was up. You know, we didn't, we've never done it this way before. So what's going on here, Dad? You know, I see the wood. I'm carrying the wood. I see the fire, but I don't see the sacrifice. What? What's up? Isaac was old enough to understand that. And it does not say that as Abraham prepared the sacrifice, or prepared the wood, and laid everything in order, and then turned around and said, Come here, Isaac, i got to tie you up with these ropes. And the next verse says, Isaac suddenly you know, decided to make his home in the neighboring country because he ran for his life. doesn't say that. Isaac willingly, willingly got up on top of that sacrifice, on top of that altar. He trusted God as much as his father did. We talk about the faith of Abraham that was willing to offer his only son, the son of promise, that he became the father of faith because of that. We don't talk about the faith of Isaac. Isaac had faith in God as well. Isaac said, okay, I've been told about my birth. I've been told that I am the fulfillment of the promise God gave to my father. And everything God has told my father has come to pass. So my future is secure. As I, my children, will become a multitude of families so numerous as the stars in heaven or the sand in the desert. It's impossible for God to lie. He promised this to my father through me. 
I don't know how God's going to work all this out, but I'm going to trust in the God of my father Abraham. And Isaac laid himself down on that fire, on that wood, and was prepared to have his heart stabbed with that knife. As he is getting tied up and he is willingly laying down on that wood, he kept waiting for deliverance. Hadn't come yet. So he's just got to trust God. When I'm dead, he's going to raise me back up. I don't know how. It makes no sense to me at all. But I know God is faithful. And his word is true. And he just put his faith in God. Jesus did the same thing. Nobody has ever gotten out of hell that went there. But yet, God promised Jesus, I will not allow your soul in hell. And I will not allow your body to go undergo decay. Word, word of God says corruption. It made no sense at all to Jesus. The only sense it made was he trusted God completely. Remember, he laid aside all of his divine attributes. He was a man in a man's body, but he was also God in a man's body, which made him a suitable sacrifice, perfect in every way. But his own mind was developed on what he had learned through his life. His spirit was all God. You, if you're born again, you have the same spirit on the inside of you as Jesus is. You are created in his image. Jesus was created in the image of God. Jesus' will was to do God's will every step of every day. Just like you can conform your will to do the will of God. But we are made up. We are a triune being just like God. We have our mind, our will, and our emotions wrapped up in our body. We are a spirit. We have our mind, which is your, your mind, will, and emotions, and we live in this body just like Jesus. He had the Spirit of God. He had the physical body. But his mind was focused on God's purpose for his life. And he knew what it was. He didn't know how God was going to raise him out of the depths of hell. He knew he even told stories about the upper regions of hell where those who are righteous are being kept from the flames and the torment, a place called paradise. He knew that place existed. Nobody ever got out of there either. But nobody ever got out of the pit of hell. There's no promise for them to get out of the pit of hell their whole purpose to be cast into the lake of fire that had been prepared for the devil 
and his angels. Jesus didn't understand how. He just knew God would because he promised it. Isaac, laying down on that wood, didn't know how. But he just trusted in the God of his father that what God promised him was going to come to pass. That Abraham's family become a multitude of nations, so numerous as the stars in heaven and the sand of the sea. He didn't know how, but he willingly laid himself down, closing his eyes, waiting for that knife to penetrate his heart, that he would die. But I believe both he and Isaac, in a discussion on top of that hill, knew that somehow, some way, God was going to raise Isaac from the dead. He didn't know how, but he knew God would. And both of them were in agreement together. I have no doubt they prayed the prayer of agreement. It was impossible in the natural. But Abraham knew just the birth of Isaac, he served a God that could override the natural. And as he raised that knife, the Lord stopped him. Says, the word says the angel of the Lord. That's Jesus. Everywhere you see that in the Bible, that's Jesus. Jesus stopped him. And said, because you've done this thing, you were not even going to withhold your only son from me. Because of this thing, I am blessing you. And it was because of that act. Oh, I feel the Holy Spirit just with me right now. Because of that act, we are blessed because Jesus offered himself. God was obligated. Now, Abraham was not going to withhold his only son Isaac from God because he asked him. Now God would not withhold his only son from those who ask him. You see, even though Jesus died over 2,000 years ago, if you have not received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, all you have to do is ask God. And he'll say provision was already made back there. Amen. All you got to do is go back there to receive it. And you do that by faith. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is telling me to do the offering of invitation right now. We're not done. We still got another 15 minutes. But I am not going to withhold an opportunity for someone to go back there and receive that offering of forgiveness that Jesus already provided. Pray this prayer with you. If you have never received Jesus as your Savior, do so right now. This is your opportunity. The God of all creation speaking to your heart right now. Showing you, telling you, speaking to your heart 
that you are destined for a place called hell. That you will go there unless you accept his provision that he has already put in place through the sacrifice of Jesus that was accomplished 2,000 plus years ago back there in Jerusalem. You got a choice of which place called there you are going to end up. You're going to go to one or two of them. You can say, I'm not doing anything right now, Brother Bob. Well, you just made a choice. No choice is a choice. And there's only two choices. One, for a place called hell. That's the place called there for everyone who does not receive Jesus as their Savior. Or you have a place called there in heaven with God the Father Almighty and His only begotten Son, Jesus, who is now our King and our Lord. If you have never made that decision, or perhaps you made a decision and your decision was not to make a decision, which is a place called there in hell. That's your decision. If you want to change that decision right now, or if you've never made that decision before, pray this prayer with me. Father, oh God Almighty, I come to you this day as a sinner, separated from God by such a great gulf, destined for the place of hell. That is my there. That is where I will end up. I realize that right now. But Father, I answer the call that you have put out today that changes my destiny. That my place called there, provision has been made already through the sacrifice of Jesus, your only begotten Son, who willingly offered himself to die a sinner's death in hell for me. He died for me. He willingly died for me. I accept Jesus' sacrifice as my substitute. I lay hold on it right now by faith and claim it as my sacrifice. Father, I thank you. Your word says you honored that choice Jesus made to die in my place, completely making the payment and provision in my behalf. You so honored his sacrifice that you honored your word that you would not allow him to remain in hell nor would you allow his body to undergo decay or corruption. But you raised him from the dead.
And he has ascended up to heaven and sits right now at your right hand, Holy Father. And he's prepared to come again to get his church and to rule and reign in this earth as King of kings and Lord of lords. I accept his sacrifice as my own and I call in the Holy Spirit to dwell within me, that Jesus himself would dwell with me, that the Father would dwell within me. Lord Jesus, create in me this new man. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Thank you, Jesus, for what you did for me. Thank you, Lord, for taking up residence in my life and body. I now claim the mind of Christ. I now claim the wisdom of God. I now claim the Holy Spirit dwelling in me. I have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit dwelling within me. And greater who is in me than he who is in this earth. I'm a child of the Most High God, heir of God, joint heir with Jesus of all the promises of God. Praise the Lord. It belongs to me. Father, may I now have ears to hear and a heart to perceive the promptings of your Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Amen. Folks, if you prayed that prayer, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. I want to receive your emails. I want to hear your praise testimonies. We want to rejoice with you. If you have a prayer request, include it in the email, and we will add you to our prayer list, praise God. Sometimes a prayer request so moves me that I will reach back out to you and we will communicate together because I want to actually get into agreement with you. Hallelujah. Folks, this is real. You have a destiny. And the choice, there are two places called there. The choice of which one you're going to go to is yours. The guidelines have been laid out. It is very clear. If you refuse to accept the payment Jesus made in your behalf, dying in your place, then you have to die in your place. If you refuse the, the sacrifice Jesus did for you, then you have to die in your place. And your place is a place called there in hell. And that is where you will be. There for all of eternity. The word of God is very plain. It does not leave any ifs, ands, or doubts about it. But if you just accepted Jesus as your Savior, your destiny has changed. Your ticket's been exchanged. And your new place called there is a place called heaven. Glory to God. Provision has been made for you there. All of your needs will now be met by God the Father through the Lord Jesus Christ. 
according to the Father's riches in glory. There is no lack, there's no shortage in their place called there. Provision is there. Hallelujah. Oh, thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Let's get back for the last couple minutes we have. Abraham taking Isaac to that mountain. He did not tell Sarah. Abraham obeyed God. And the Bible says because he obeyed, it was counted to him as righteousness. So many people just read over that verse in Romans 4 verse 3. Abraham believed God, it was counted to him for righteousness. By obeying God and believing that God would somehow raise Isaac from the ashes. That's why he told his servants, you stay here while I and the lad go there and wait for us. We shall come back to you again. He was not going to go back home without his son. I said, did you notice that the Bible did not say he and Sarah discussed what the Lord had told him to do? Uh, he probably told her, well, Lord, may take Isaac. We're going to go up to the mountain and offer a sacrifice there. Leading her to believe that it, it was just a normal sacrifice. Because he was not going to tell her, oh, and Isaac is the sacrifice up there. Amen. How many of you know about the mother bear syndrome in women? Amen. All you ladies out there, shout amen somebody. Glory to God. If Sarah had any idea of what Abraham was planning, she would have fought Abraham with everything she could get her hands on. She would have smacked him upside the head with a frying pan. And you can't convince me otherwise. I've seen women fight men sometimes twice their size if they so much as laid their hands on my baby. Amen. So Abraham told his servants, you wait here till we come back. He was going to stay up there the there which the Lord had told him to go to, until the Lord raised Isaac up, or Abraham was not coming back down, period. He would have died right there. He was not going home because he knows if he went out home without Isaac, he was as good as dead. Amen. And you can look at all the major characters in the Bible and see that God asked them, just about every single one of them, to do something completely illogical. Amen. Yet when he was looking for just one act of obedience, that's all he wanted. That's where the supernatural power of God comes into play. You can probably think of something like that that the Lord has asked you to do. Something completely illogical. But that's how he operates. God has already sent your provision to a place called there. Just like he sent my provision to Maryland, my place called there. It was completely illogical for me to pull up roots in Texas and move to Maryland. Completely illogical. But God's called you to do the same thing. If you're missing out on supernatural supply, it's probably because you're not at a place called there. Where God told you to be. You're not doing in your heart what God has told you to do. Even when you step out 
and take a risk and throw caution to the wind and do everything God tells you to do, it will often turn out into the greatest miracle that you've ever seen happen. Even though that is the ultimate outcome, it's still hard to do. But if you are not doing what God calls you to do, if you are not doing what you know in your heart God has told you to do, then you do not stand a snowball's chance in hell of experiencing success because you are out there completely on your own. Why? Because your provision is at your place called there. Amen. Hearing from God and acting on the word of God is simply a necessity if you ever want to see his power manifest in your life. The Lord will never do anything that destroys you. He might do a few things to test you, but he will never do anything to hurt you. There is a tremendous blessing and anointing in being in your place called there and doing what God has called you to do. Are you there? If not, why not? Your place called there is not necessarily a specific geographic area or location. He may not tell you to pull up roots and move hometown. It's often more an attitude of wholeheartedly acknowledging what God has told you to do. In 1 Kings 17, verse 5 and 6, we read, So he, Elijah, went and did according to the word of the Lord. He went and dwelt by the brook Cherith that's before the Jordan. And the ravens brought bread and food every morning and every evening, and he drank from the brook. Amen. There was a supernatural supply of bread and meat, but there was also a natural supply of water. The water was not supernaturally supplied to Elijah. It was already there and probably had been for hundreds of not thousands of years. It was a natural phenomenon or a natural occurrence. It did not, Elijah did not have to believe for the water. He had to believe for the bread and flesh morning and evening. There was a supernatural supply of bread and meat. There's also a natural supply of water. When God calls you to do something, the provision is not totally supernatural. There are also natural elements that make up your blessing that helps to meet your needs. For example, if God tells you to move there, wherever there is, you will probably need a J-O-B, a job. Amen. It is okay to work in the natural to help meet your needs while doing God's work. There's nothing wrong with that. So don't get over into condemnation if that's your situation. You're called to ministry, but right now you have to get a job to provide for your family. Amen. You just need to keep things in balance. You will find yourself in a ditch if you're always looking for your needs to be met in a totally naturally human way. When you do that, you're looking to yourself to meet your needs. And the pressure is totally on you to provide. In the same way, you'll find yourself in the ditch on the other side of the road if you expect God to rain money down from heaven while you refuse to do anything to earn money in the natural. If you refuse to work, then your production is zero. You have nothing to give, nothing to sow, no seed to work with, 
What's a hundredfold turn return on zero? Zero. One hundred times zero is still zero. Amen. Sometimes we can just do something, anything, to begin the process of sowing. Anything. There are so many people right now in this economy that we're in that have a master's degrees and PhDs and they're working at McDonald's or Burger King or they're a security guard somewhere at a local mall just to make ends meet. Amen. Don't shout me down when I'm preaching good. God bless them. They are still doing something and God can bless what they're doing. They will find favor in the eyes of their employer and get promotions. They'll receive pay raises, getting unexpected checks in the mail because they're trusting God and doing something. They believe they are there for a purpose. It may be the job they want to have, but they are there and they are faithful and they are believing God and God will bless them. Amen. If that's you, let me pray for your provision right now. Father, in the name of Jesus, every person within the sound of my voice, may your blessing rest upon them. May provision be in their life. Hallelujah. Lord, bless them with wisdom and understanding of what their calling is and what your desire for them to do is for the kingdom of God. May they know, comprehend, understand their place called there. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless the work of their hands. Give them wisdom and understanding. May they hear your voice, the voice of their shepherd they will follow, but the voice of another they will not follow. In the name of Jesus. Father, we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise God. Again, email me at brotherbob at ftfm.org. We want to pray with you in agreement. In Jesus' name, amen. You have just heard a message of encouragement from anointed pastor and teacher Robert Thibodeau with Freedom Through Faith Ministries in Baltimore, Maryland. For more information on the Freedom Through Faith Ministries or to invite Pastor Thibodeau to your church, please visit our website, www.ftfm.org. That's FTFM for Freedom Through Faith Ministries. Again, that's ftfm.org. Until next time, when we gather together around the Word of God, be blessed. And remember, we serve an awesome God.